Hello, welcome back. Episode six, Everyday Being Podcast. Gareth's here, Steve's here, you're here. Uh, we are super looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it all. We are talking about control um, and we hopefully are going to, as ever, give some thoughts about control from a being perspective um, and to some extent actually breaking apart the notion of, of control uh, and then we're going to bring it to life with some everyday examples that hopefully you can relate to and think about how it applies to you and fundamentally is what we're ever trying to do is to see the impact that it can have on your happiness on your well-being on your health uh, and in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis um steve how are you today I'm very good. Yeah, the sun is shining in Bristol. It's been a gorgeous day. So, um, yeah, I'm very good. How about you? Yeah, I'm terrific. Thank you, mate. Yeah, all uh, all good here. Um, I think we've got sort of similar weather conditions over in the uh, east east of the Bring country that I am. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are properly mo- moving on. So, all all good there. Uh, so, control. So. The three things we want to talk about with you today, and we're going to look at it from a different uh, different angles, is firstly the the belief and understanding that Steve and I have is that we cannot and we don't control the experience that we're having and our experience. We just, frankly, we don't. Um, and actually. By coming to that belief and understanding that we have a lack of control actually is an incredibly liberating and and free experience. Now, for some of you control freaks out there, that might be a bit mind blowing um, and might be very, very uncomfortable for you. So please don't switch off. Please keep keep, hang on in the conversation and let's let's see if we can cover it from a different perspective. But our genuine belief is that by starting to have a greater awareness that there are so much in this life for this existence that we have that just is not uh, something that we can fundamentally force and have the way we would want it to do by knowing that it just creates so much i don't know calmness a different experience something that in the moment can be just so powerful and improve our happiness um because and this is the the third um third message i guess we want to uh, want want to talk about today is that is that what what we've called mind and if you go back to some of our previous episodes we talked quite a lot about mind and this notion that there is a greater force at life and a play whatever that might mean to you and it means different things to different people but if you come into the understanding or more interested in the understanding that there just is some of the great forces and energies in existence that 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 whatever it might be has this huge and infinite intelligence which is driving life which is that which is where control lies and certainly not from our perspective so we're not in control and actually by coming to that understanding can be hugely free and that can have a big impact on our happiness that's the area that we're going to talk about but we're going to bring it to life through some everyday examples for you to go okay now i'm starting to see it now i start to get it I hope, and maybe not. And either way, you can give us some feedback through the usual areas. Mm-hmm. Steve, take us take us a bit deeper. Well, I suppose just based on what you were saying there, Gareth, I was thinking this has been something I've reflected on, inquired about quite a lot, actually, in terms of control. And it sort of takes you on to free will. You know, is there free will, which I know has been a, conversation that scientists and philosophers have, have sort of wrestled with for, for years and if you do it occasionally I do a search on it to see what comes up and it it's still um a really uh, open question I think so yeah I think we can certainly share our own experiences I can share my experience I'm sure you'll do the same um but I think I just wanted to say that because I think it's not trying to say oh look this is the answer I, th- I think it's just a really interesting thing to sort of explore. And I'm not even trying to suggest that I know the answer for sure. I've got so far no, with no. it and how that's been, how that's been helpful. One thing that I guess was, as we were thinking about this episode, I was thinking back to a um, 
a client that came to see me many years ago now. It's probably, I don't know, probably 12, 15 years ago. And it was someone who um, had <clears throat> been married and that marriage had ended, um, but not through her doing. So not that she wanted it to end, but it had ended for whatever reason it had ended. And then um, she was in a new relationship and was really, she came to see me because she was really desperate to make sure this one worked because she really loved the person that, that she was with, thought that it had sort of long-term potential. And she was thinking, yeah, you know, what can I do to make sure that um, this one works? You know, it doesn't go the way that the, the last one got to. And it was really interesting because as we sort of explored it, it was what was really coming through is that she felt, oh, what can I do to control this situation? You know, to make sure that this is successful. And to be honest, I hadn't thought a lot about it up to that point, but we were just doing an inquiry. Okay, well, that's interesting. Because we take a relationship, who is in control. You know, we literally, I was saying to her, well, that's interesting. Because I said, if you're in a relationship with someone, who's in control of it? And of course, as we sort of talked it through and we batted it back and forward a little bit, and I was reflecting on my own relationships, sort of just the realization that actually no what neither party controls the relationship i mean you can get people that control try and be controlling and maybe yeah. do some sort of control but when you think of it in terms of the actual the quality of the relationship the effectiveness of the relationship whether it sustains itself and lasts long term you sort of realize well neither party is actually in control They've both clearly got an influence on that, on that, but neither party's in control. So that was really interesting all the way back then, because I thought, crikey, if, if something like your most personal or intimate relationship is so important to you, as it, as it is for most of us, you think, wow, if something like that is not in our control, then what else actually is not, is in, is either in my control or not in my control? And then, of course, Lots of things we've talked about in terms of the sort of three principles understanding, you know, mind, consciousness, and thought. One of the things that Sydney Banks, I think, sort of spoke to was that, well, actually, you can't control what thinking you have. You can't control what feelings you have mm. or what emotions you have. You can't control what state of mind you might be experiencing at any moment in time. And Obviously, a lot of what we've talked about is recognizing, well, no, it's useful to understand those principles and how they play out, not to try and control them, because that can be certainly a mistake I fell into when I first came across it, was thinking, oh, right, with this understanding, I can control my state of mind. And then you yeah. realize, well, that's a falsehood, because you can't. And if you do try to, that's the surest way of tripping you into a low state or causing you to stay stuck in a low state. So you realize it's much more about how do I navigate my experience rather than try and control it. So I just thought that when whenever I think about control, this question of control, which does come up a lot for people in life generally, certainly comes up a lot in coaching with people, you sort of realize, well, two of the things that you would argue would be most sort of intimate to you, you know, your experience, what creates your experience. You think, wow, that's 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 really close to me because that's coming from within me and when you realize wow I don't control that and then when I think about my relationships and say my most important relationship in life or my most important relationship in life realizing what well, I, I don't control those then in a way when I then go beyond that thinking about other things in my life and circumstances and other people and, and so on you just realize, well, if I don't control the things that are arguably really close to me, the most intimate parts of my life, then when I stretch beyond that to the less intimate parts, to the more impersonal parts, what chance have I got really yeah, yeah. to be able to, to sort of control that? So in a sense, that's always been my, my sort of starting point, really, when I when I think about this aspect of control. But how about you? Does, does that does that relate to you and your experience? Or do you have any other aspects of it that when you think about this? 
Yeah, it completely does. Randomly, I think when I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking in the first instance, probably about the external things, about the extent to which we can control them. Actually, it's only when you start talking about how can I control what goes on in my mind or in my emotions that I that probably I'd sort of knew but I hadn't thought about as as well and actually when you put those two things together um it 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 really is quite it's really quite powerful um uh ra- randomly I've I've we're, we're drafting another blog that's that's coming coming out but hasn't come out yet um uh, and I was just writing about uh, an event that I had uh, last week which I got absolutely properly nervous about and had a real kind of like physical or the nerves were manifesting itself in a real physical way that I actually had a stomach, a stomach ache from it, which I've had previously, um, um, you know, many, many years ago, I guess when I was you know, probably pre the sort of understanding of, of, of God. Um, and it was a real weird sort of flashback. And I just haven't had it for, for many, many years. And, it, I, you know, well, when the blog comes out, you can maybe read more about that one going to that. But I guess it's just, it, 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 it sort of, because it's so fresh and new for me it, it that that just brought it to mind of i couldn't control that what was going on in my head as much as i wanted to stop it um and actually you know I, I wasn't particularly fighting it you know i was just i was noticing it was there but it was there and i wasn't in any control of that a, at all so actually you know that that sort of you know something that is absolutely physical that absolutely is coming from my 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 thinking and my experience absolutely not in my control at all um and then i was almost, i was i was almost thinking then as well about you know i i mentioned control freaks at, at this at the start and it is something that you know people you know people will talk to us about or something that you, you hear and i was then sort of thinking okay what what did i know what do we what what is it that control freaks are trying to achieve yeah, and I, yeah, I think that's interesting because I, you know, when it seems to me when you're, when we're just being, we're just in our day to day flow of life, and control's not really something that's on our mind. I I think it's because it just doesn't occur to us that that would be the right thing to do. Because I think often when we're in flow, you know, often when someone's re, you know, you find someone who's really good at something, um, it, they're not controlling it. I think you often hear, like when you hear a sports person who's describing, you know, those moments of flow or or someone that <clears throat> produces a piece of music or whatever it might be, they're often the way they describe it is often from a sense of no it wasn't me it it came through me it didn't feel like it was me and you definitely I mean I love um sort of golf I don't play it so much now but you do you know when when you get a golfer who has the sort of yips with their putting you know because obviously putting in golf is a it looks like a fairly if there's one part of golf you can control surely it's the putting because the putter only moves you know a few inches or at most it's stationary you can address the ball the ball doesn't move but you you but when you hear about people that struggle they'll say it's because you're trying to control something that is doesn't need to be controlled and so even when you're doing something that's fairly basic like putting a golf ball which looks like well surely I can control that they realize well no that 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 gets in the way actually when you're really at your best you're you're not in control because there's something going back to your earlier point about universal mind there's something about we're in the flow of life we're in the flow of that energy of life is sort of flowing through us and it's the performance is produced is coming through us through that connection to the deeper intelligence of life so i think often when we're in the flow it doesn't even occur to us to try and control something because why why would be there's that's a far greater intelligence than our ego or sort of personal mind can have so i think often when we 
when we are trying to control things, when you sort of track it back, I think it is often from fear, actually, fear and insecurity. I mean, in a way, right, okay. it probably goes back to, you know, the Tim Galway, you know, the inner game stuff that I mean, yeah. we've talked about a lot over the years and we've referenced a few times. You know, he, he would talk about that performance potential interferences and say, well, the interferences that stop us performing to our potential are are really you track them back to fear and doubt would be the the, the words he would use. But I think, yeah, fear, doubt, insecurity, that when we end up in that sort of state of mind, then it looks like, well, surely if I try and if I if I exert you know, because you feel, because you're feeling insecure, you're trying to find something to anchor yourself to. And of course, it's really tempting to think, well, I control, if I can just control some things, then that will give me the, will give me the certainty that I need. For, for anyone who might have not heard us talk about that, that equation that Tim Gay, Tim Galway talk, talks about, the sort of performance output. Just just do a couple of minutes on, on that because I, I I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah, so I think, so Tim Galway was just really making a point that there's an outer game and an inner game. So he said the outer game is to do with performance, you know, where you might set yourself performance targets and so on. And he would say, so that the performance is the outer game. And then the the inner game is the potential and the interferences. And um, it, in a way, he would say that if you um, if you can minimise the interferences for someone, then more of their potential comes through into performance. And he saw that human potential is sort of limitless in a way because we're sort of built for learning and we're built for insight. So his view was that and he called that self too. So this self too, which is that that self that's which we would say I think is connected to that universal mind, is connected to that intelligence of life. That's um, what he called um, self too, because that's the natural flowing self, and that's there's a deeper intelligence to that which is built for insight and um, connected to wisdom. And then self one is the that sort of internal voice that says oh you should do this and you should do that and why did you make that mistake and so it's the bit that is more to do with our ego and I guess it's the part when we're in our if we're a bit being a bit of a control freak in a part of our life it's often self one is quite a, a visible part of that because by definition self two doesn't control things because it's it's in flow it's it it's happy to deal with life um, as it sort of changes and evolves. Um, so I think Tim really hit on that actually interferences, when you really track them back, they're all internal. So even though they might look like there's things externally that interfere with performance, like people or circumstances, he said, actually, they don't, those things, external ones, don't affect everyone in the same way because it depends how you relate to them, how you perceive them, whether they become an interference or not. So he really saw, I think one of his great insights was that actually all interferences, when you really um, break them down, are all to do with internally because they're all to do with how we're perceiving, how we're using our thinking, <clears throat> what state of mind that we're in. That's where all the interferences exist. I guess the the come back to the control freak part. The the high, the thing we we got in our heads, I guess, is that when 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 we're trying to control so much of of what is around us, we have got high levels of interference. So therefore, will mean that the performance that we get out of it is lesser than we would get if. If if we were coming from a place where we're not trying to control everything because we understand we can't, so therefore we're dialing down our interference, our potential is what it will be, but ultimately we're, we're reducing this negative force, which should, even if it's small little 1%, should 
have a real positive impact on what we're doing day in day out which you know our shorthand for that is happiness which you know for us is 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 being and i think to some extent you know what you were describing about galway and and self too actually that's what we're pointing at from a that's part of being yeah i i think that yeah i think that's right and you know i was just playing about when i was just thinking of what we might talk about <laughs> you know i was you know looking at the you know the earth's been around for 4.5 billion years we're here for about 80 years there's nearly 8 billion people on the planet life rarely unfolds the way we want it to in in all in all respects and so you think you know and i was thinking i was out for a walk this morning first thing i was thinking well imagine if 8 billion people all think yeah i'm in control i should i should (laughs) it was reminding me of the um, Bruce Almighty, you know, the film with Jim Carrey where he, oh, yeah. God, God gave him his job for 24 hours and just, uh, you know, how difficult that job was and the chaos when, he, because people were praying to him for various things and he just did a jokey thing of control, alt and accept, allowed everyone to have whatever they were praying for and wishing for. And of course, it's just complete chaos because there were so many <laughs> contradictory things in that so but I, yeah. I i thought it sometimes i think you know it goes back i suppose to what we talked about about time you know does time really exist because at one level when you think of it from an everyday being perspective it's saying well that that, that from the big bang everything has come from that and is a continuous and continual process so the reason there's no now is because ev- the reason there's no time is because, well, in effect, everything is now. Everything is just a continuation of when the universe was created and the Big Bang and everything that happened there. And we are part of that. And apparently you can even there'll be um, um, atoms in our body that they can track back to the Big Bang. You know, you and I will have atoms that were, were present at the at the Big Bang. So I think when you put it in that perspective, you really start to think, well, this is, we've got to be quite arrogant in a way. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, because we all, you know, I'm the same. But when you think of it from that perspective, it is crazy really to think that somehow we've got control about the way that things unfold, how that continues to unfold how the Big Bang and the continuation of that continues to unfold. Because you start to realise, you know, everything is connected to everything else. You know, I was saying to you earlier about my inquiries into control and free will and stuff. You know, often when I'm out walking the dog, you know, I do little inquiries like that to think, well, you know, who am I? And am I a separate self? And you sort of realise as you, you know, as the walk I do, you realise, God, I'm so interconnected to the the ground that I'm work, walking on, the air that I'm breathing, the woods that I go through with the trees that are taking carbon dioxide out and putting oxygen into the air, the sun that's that's beating in the in the sky, and you know if the, if the sun disappeared, how 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 long would would I last? If the air disappeared, how long would I? So you sort of realise this whole sense of control i think is almost coming to a sense of a separate self that really doesn't exist i think that's the bit that was part of a myth that we live in that there is this separate self and therefore we should be exerting some sense of control but when you realize well there isn't really a separate self our self is sort of literally connected to everything else and you take it back to universal mind, we're an expression of that universal mind or universal consciousness that that's sort of coming to life and life is created through us. And, you know, how much are we really in control of how that, how that unfolds? I think it seems to me that we can try and understand life and we can try and understand our experience and from that understanding, do what feels the right thing for us to do. But even if you do an inquiry into free will and you think, well, 
who's I'm not creating the thought about shall I think about free will? <laughs> no, it, it's it's coming from it's coming from somewhere else. So I can sort of see why, um, you know, philosophers and stuff have a sort of struggle with it. And then there was a guy I was I came across an article a while ago. I wrote it down because I thought it was really interesting. There's a guy called um, Benjamin Libay who in the 1980s did this experiment and it's been repeated loads of times since, but they would measure electrical activity in the brain of an individual and they would predict up to 15 seconds before what decision an individual was going to make just by their brain activity. So that wow. his, his stuff proved that people were making a, a, a choice unconsciously before it came into their conscious awareness and then they would post-rationalize the choice it's a it's, a, it's a ma amazing how he set the experiment up and like i said it's been sort of replicated so so it does sort of you know blow your mind when you think wow what is free will <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, I guess it's in, well, God, it's, it is mind blowing and interesting on just so so many many ways. I suspect there aren't many of us that wander around and have those self inquiries like you're having, Steve, about the the, the sense of your connection to you know the ground you're walking on, or I know the flow of as you said CO two and oxygen and thing, things like that. So you know, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, the only thing I know is what goes on in my head. So maybe maybe I'm the uh, the um, <laughs> Uh, in in well, I'm not in the minority, but you know, I, you don't know. But I guess, I guess, if you work on the assumption that not not everyone does that, I guess it, it it's a pretty important point for us. And I think, in the sense of being, is is what what is this higher force? What is as you've described, or we both mentioned, un, universal mind? And probably, I'd probably encourage you. As, as the listener to think about okay wh what does that what does that mean for for you what is what is the view that you've you've got about what what are the forces why 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 are we here and i don't want you to go and have an existential crisis or anything like that but but i think that i think it's an important part isn't it because because it actually it, it's something where we're thinking about and and i think something that's important to, to be in that there will be many of of you that maybe come from a you know religion or a faith perspective potentially I don't, I don't i don't know you know in whatever denomination that may well be um maybe come at it from a science background potentially as well and you know maybe you come from a sort of a you know a non-believing state or, or or anything like that maybe maybe you just don't know and i don't know whether these things are they're probably not scales, are they? They're probably some sort of rich tapestry and map of 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 what these things actually mean. But but I think I think it's well worth you just having that that I don't know. Let's use Steve's phrase that might have that self inquiry about. Okay, what what is it that um, I believe? I know mm. listening to um, um, uh, some people recently I, I quite liked the notion of nature um i do i do absolutely attached to sort of you know faith as as well and religion but actually I'd, i you know even as as what steve's described today i i like the the that notion of of nature being a description of of the higher force so look it, it, it will work in different ways but i, I think and we've not planned this steve but i i think that's certainly well worth thinking about yeah and i think it's really interesting because if you look up nature it separates nature from human nature in the dictionary okay. really interesting right. which is, yeah which is really probably describes a bit about why we can be where we are in terms of our disconnection from nature because we think it's separate whereas i sort of think well no we're 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 part of that nature's part of us and we're we're sort of part of nature and to separate ourselves out I think it's probably where then then we feel we we can be controlling it's like well no if we but if we see ourselves as being interconnected do we make different choices it's like you know if if we don't see ourselves as a separate self then does that change the way we're being with other people yeah fundamentally i think the separate self 
is the cause of all our problems, really, whether that's to do with wars, conflicts, sexism, racism, you know, you 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 can track back to why where those problems occur, I think they they occur from a misunderstanding that we are somehow separate from each other. And you realize when we realize that we're we're all that same consciousness, you know, our awareness at the at the at the level of our awareness, we're we're all the same, then you know, mistreating people, just what why would that why would that ever make sense if everyone is my brother and sister in effect or 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 nature is part of my nature you sort of realize wow that fundamentally would change the way that we we think about ourselves and then just yeah. to give a you know like an, an everyday example someone i was just coaching th- this morning actually we were talking about um how for him he can see sometimes he will overthink something and and I was saying, well, how much time does that? He was talking about a very specific situation that was like um, that took about ninety minutes, and he, I was saying, well, how much time did the fact that you over you overthought it take? And he said, well, probably about 25, 25 minutes or so. So it's like, well, a third, nearly a third of your time was sort of um, wasted. And I, and then we were talking about the difference between because it's very technical work that he does, the difference between, can you fit a difference where you have an intuitive sense that something's missing here that's valuable to explore versus one that is just you're you're digging yourself into a hole, you're diving down the rabbit hole. And he could really feel that. He could say, yeah, there is a a difference in that. And I think that's, and what you could see is, when he digs himself down it's it's from anxiety it's from fear it's from insecurity yeah and so once you engage with that feeling that's the rabbit hole because you just go round and round and round in your second guessing yourself yes you get nowhere versus Yeah. yeah this is and it was like a technical thing that's very important for a client so you know it was it was sort of important interpretation of some legislation that versus that time no there's something i'm missing here that's more a sense of you then go up to try and understand the situation more fully versus diving down into an aspect and just getting lost in a rabbit hole was his his sort of metaphor Mm. and and i think that's in a way everything we've been talking about is if you tune into the feeling, it's a pretty good barometer, actually, of whether the feeling is coming from that deeper connection to wisdom or insight. And it feels like, yeah, there's something that's definitely a curiosity here for me, that is something maybe I'm missing at the moment, versus when it's just coming from anxiety or stress or fear or insecurity, and it's literally you're just digging yourself further into the hole. So I think that's always a really useful one just for people to reflect on in terms of their own experience. Because I think mm-hmm. people do have a sense of that. There is a there is a difference. And I think, you know, he could really see that when he dived down, then trying to control everything and just getting lost, you know, just getting lost in that. I mean, maybe one of the things that, this may help you help with is uh, a framework uh, sorry not framework a language for us to identify you know I, I like the rabbit hole I've never I've never thought about it in that way before but, but I really like that as yeah I, I think that works I was uh, I was also thinking about some sort of um, examples and everyday examples about control Steve um, uh, Florence is preparing for her uh, GCSE exams so sort of exams are perhaps a bit of the, the sort of forefront of of my, my mind and I was thinking about 
the extent to which some of those things actually are are in our con- control or not not in our con- control and on the face of it you think wow there's loads you know you can control how much revision that you've done what's your length of time what's the breadth that, that you've done how much you, how many past papers you've done you know the, the, there are things that you can do that are a sense of of control but uh, when when you get to it, when it really really matters of those, I don't know, what was it two and a half hours in a school hall? You know, you know, to sort of, I'm probably going back to, to my distant memory. Um, you know, you can't control what questions are going to come up. You know, the subtlety or the the um, you know the 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 inference or the the key message that it's trying to get out about. I don't know post First World War Germany and reparations and things things yeah, like yeah. that. Um, you know, you you just can't you you can't control that, and and right. I think those things are very powerful about the extent to which you can be in the moment and allow wisdom to come, particularly in high stressful situations. And you know, um, e- easy to say, hard hard to to, yeah. to do. I I know that, and and equally, you know, you can't you can't control the outcome as well. Okay. Actually, you know, again, you can put the hours in and but the, but the outcome will be and to some extent in in some you know maybe maybe not so much oh i don't know school exams do they have sort of distribution curves and stuff like that i suppose they do do they that yeah. it's only so many that can have it please if, if anyone knows let write in please yeah. tell us um, uh, but again you you can't control what anyone else is going to do so who mm-hmm. knows what that grade will be at the 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 yeah. end so, you know, even in, you know, something like examinations, which clearly in this sense, we're talking about on a school level, but all, all those, those things are, are true. I, I was also it. then, prob- sorry, oh. go on, you go. No, you go. Uh, well, just on that example, just one that came to mind was someone that came to see me who was doing, applying for a PhD. And she oh, came yeah. to see me because she was really, just could not engage with it. So she had a deadline that was looming and knew what she needed to do, had everything in, but just could not, could not engage with it. And so we sort of worked together and um, there was a lot of um, uh, pressure she was putting on herself and go back to what we talked about earlier, over-invested in it. And um, and she was only, um, you know, she was, she was very young. Um, she was uh, really into dancing. So the, this this PhD was quite sort of different to another passion she had in her life, which was the sort of dancing. So we sort of, we referenced that a little bit. Anyway, we we sort of worked together and got it just back to a, a, a healthier state of mind. She was just in a low state of mind, really, which was why it was all becoming quite difficult. So she was then in a really good place and she really engaged with it and she got it, get, got it in on time and so on. And then we did a we did a sort of follow up to sort of see how it'd been. And um, you know, get, she comes back and I said, Oh, you know, she said, Oh, yeah, I got it in. And I said, Oh, how have you heard yet? She said, Oh, yeah, no, I didn't get it. Um, I can apply again next year, but they didn't, they didn't go for um, you know, they didn't go for the submission that she'd made, but they were quite positive about her. And I said, Oh, how are you, how are you feeling? Because she didn't look devastated or anything she said oh no, no, she no. Actually, i've been in a really good place that you know i i submitted what i wanted submitted it was a true representation of the uh the idea i had and and the research that i wanted to do so she said i'm just really really comfortable with it and i said oh so what your plan she said well i'm just going to take some time actually and i'm going to um she's a very good dance so i'm just going to go and do some traveling and and she was going to do something with her dance and um and i said oh you know you're gonna do you think you'll do it yeah she said i don't know i'll just i'll just i'll see see what happens um and i've not heard from her i've not sort of followed up she did refer someone out a, a friend of hers to me sometime later so i guess it must have something must have sort of endured for her but i thought that was such a a good example of and I've had that in my own life where you know you get really invested in something so I remember when I was at EY I was an HR director in one of the business units there for a year for a year and then they merged to um two regions and my boss didn't get the combined job the 
the, uh, we were in the south region and there was the um, central region. The central region managing regional managing partner got the got the job. And I'd only been in the job for a year, so I was just feeling like I was finding my feet. And it was really obvious that he wanted his person and it was like, uh, and you know, not going to go anywhere. So, so I was really disappointed. And, um, and I had a really good conversation with someone because I was, you know, was, you know, it's just coming to terms with that. And I really got to a place of going, well, I've got a choice here, which is I can sulk about it and you know and and all of that or I can go well how do I make sure that this experience because I had a team and so on that was going to be affected by this and other people that were going to be affected in it can I just think well how do I how do I, do I focus on that how do I just make sure this is the a, the, a positive experience for other people and um just keep myself on an even keel through that process which is which is what I did and it's so interesting because the the new guy coming in was sort of so impressed with my attitude that um, he didn't change his decision because I, I just didn't think he ever would. But with the, um, there was a partner in charge of HR, so the most sort of senior person who I'd always found a bit tricky. Everyone found her a bit tricky, to be honest, but I found her particularly tricky. But he had such glowing view of me and how I was that then I transitioned into London and I uh, took up a role as um, the director of leadership development actually so I just went into a, a more specialist role rather than generalist <clears throat> and I did that for three years and of course it was that experience over those three years that then put me in a position to then break out on my own and start my own business which I did about I don't know 18 years ago whatever and it's so interesting because you look back and think, actually, if I'd have stayed in a generous role, that would have been a more difficult move. I might still have enjoyed that and gone somewhere else. But you do look back and realise, well, there was there was a there was a value and a meaning to that, which I couldn't discern at the time, but was something that that down led to an up, and then that up led to, to something else. And I we often in leadership development get people to do their timeline their life their lifeline of ups and downs and so on and it's amazing I mean I've done hundreds of those now it's amazing how often when people go back over that their their timeline and they realize wow there is a pattern to this there are some themes here there are times when things are not going the way I wanted or I felt like I've made a wrong decision or got stuck in a whatever and sometimes that can be for a you know a significant period, but often yeah. they look back and go, yeah, but it, but that did give me the experience to then find the next opportunity, or it forced me to change direction, or whatever it whatever it might be. So I think sometimes it's only when you look back or look at things over a longer time scale that you sort of realise, you know, when I talk about that intelligence. It feel, genuinely feels that when I look back at my life and my career, there's definitely, it doesn't feel like I've been in control of all of that by any, like yeah, any stretch exactly. of the imagination, actually, mm. that, that that feels like there's something else that's at play. And it seems to me more and more that our job is to connect to that and if we connect to that flow and we're tuned into it, we start to sort of see or recognize where that seems to be seems to be taking us. Um Yeah. And let me uh, just echo I guess echo that 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 point into in two ways really is that you know because of the work that you and I have done over the years, Steve, actually we have had a number of conversations with people who are who are leaving organizations or leaving leaving jobs and it is just the overwhelming majority you do look back and go it was horrible at the time but it was the best thing that happened to me you know it, it, you just that that would be based on the you know far too many people that have, have, have had conversations with about this that is what the majority of people do do talk about um secondly i would think about probably the the time i've been at my lowest uh, 
lowest point in my life probably i think if i would really think about it and i referenced it in what in a previous episode that it was coming from a you know work perspective and succession of um bad experiences and bad bosses and jobs that i didn't enjoy and i properly was stressed and it was impacting my health and impacting home as well um yeah when i was in that moment i met you (laughs) and if i hadn't (laughs) met you at that moment i wouldn't be here having this conversation now and, 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 you know, that is now what, gosh, tw- you know, well over a dozen um, year, years later. So, you know, I, I look at that and go, that were, that, ha- that for me had to happen in order for this conversation today to happen. I'm yeah. certain, I'm certain of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the more, yeah, the, the, I don't know. Yeah. The more I, stand back from my own life or from working with other people you, you do I think yeah you, you do just you do just see that actually um you know I've I've just been trained on a psychometric thing that we're using one of my clients is using and so we had to have the sort of you do the questionnaire and then you get the feedback and so I just had a sort of conversation with someone and, and we talking back over my career and life and so on <laughs> And I probably haven't done that for a number of years, actually. And I was describing, you know, from I left school when I was 17, halfway through A-levels, because I just was hating it and um, just thought the thought of going back after the summer holidays, so just randomly applied for all these jobs and ended up getting a job in personnel completely sort of randomly. And then there was a bit of pressure to do study while you were working. So I did the last thing I wanted to do was study. I'd hated school. And then I ended up doing five years, half half day release to do a sort of business studies and then do my, my professional qualifications, become a sort of chartered within the personnel management as it was then, the CIPD as it is now. And it's like, she said, why did you do that? And I said, I do not know because I hate <laughs> study. I was not. I that nothing at that point still because I was only 17 so nothing at that point was really resonating for me in terms of an interest so I did it mostly so I wasn't disappointing my boss's boss who was a real sponsor of this this business studies qualification and then my mm. my professional qualification was because there was a, a boss a new boss who came in to manage me Annabelle who was just brilliant I really loved her and she was just, she kept pushing, saying, you should get that, you should get that, because you more choices in the future. And I was resisting and resisting. But because I I, I liked her, loved her so much, I went with it and then did that for three years. You know, that was like, a you know, two till nine every week, you know, for three years, in effect, whilst, whilst working the other time. So it's really interesting. When I look back on that, you know, as I was telling her this story, I was thinking, yeah, what was what was I doing? I, I, you know, there's no, I cannot honestly say. Oh, yeah, I had this really strong drive for my career and ambition and all of that, and because I could earn, you know, I, it was, honestly, it was not that at all. It was just like, well, life just seemed to. Do you want to turn up on your first day and let your let your boss's boss down by saying no, you're not going to do it? All right, I better do that. You've got this boss who really believes in you. Do you want to disappoint her? Do you want to? let her down and I had a little bit of a thought for the future so I wasn't like completely and I thought well you know for my long-term career maybe it would be a good thing but it wasn't but it wasn't by any drive at all and just as I was telling her all all about various job moves and so on I just realized it more and more I thought I sound a real really flaky like (laughs) honestly I honestly it was like a bit embarrassing I was thinking you know, this is all a bit sort of, well, this just, this happened and seemed to be suggesting this and then that happened and it seems to be suggesting that. And and even uh, my wife Val, when we moved from, we were in Salisbury for 20 years and we moved back uh, to Bristol, which we've been away from for, or, well, for that 20 years. Even when we, could we sold our house really quickly and we were just struggling to find something. And even when the um solicitor has to hear from both of you because it's all on the phone yes are you definitely this is it because once you've done this there's no going back 
And, you know, I could, she said to this, um, yes, yeah, that's okay. And she looked at me and we were up in our, sat on our bed and I could see she was a hundred percent sure. So I got on the phone. I said, uh, can I call you back? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And we were literally we, months and months. We'd gone through this whole thing. And it, when we looked at it and we thought, why is it the right thing? We thought, well, I don't, we don't know if it's the right thing. But then thought, well, but everything seems to be pointing in that direction. The house sold really quickly. We eventually found a, a house that we were happy in the one we're in now. And the kids, two of um, one of my children, Vicky, the oldest, was already in Bristol. But the other two were quite keen, even though they never lived in Bristol. They were quite keen because we have family here and everything. And they saw it as more opportunities for them. So it just felt like there's just a weight of energy that's moving us to do that but also if you if you spoke to it and you say so you 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 made that decision she go well sort well sort of you know I had to sort of say yes to the solicitor and we did lots of things to find a house and all the rest of it but at one level it feels like well we weren't we weren't in control of that which I know yeah. some people find really shocking like how can you know, house move is a fairly major thing. But yeah, maybe it's just me. I just, when I was telling my my life story, thinking it does seem really quite random <laughs> as <laughs> what happened. But it, but it does genuinely feel that there's just things of, there's been things that have happened that sometimes have just, you know, like when I left, my last corporate it was just actually it was from a couple of people being treated badly not me interestingly I, I was treated really well but a couple of my bosses who I really really had a lot of respect for I thought got got poorly treated by the company and that just loosened my emotional connection and you know I was commuting four hours a day and so I was like starting to get a bit tired of that and then and then if you know consultancy that I used said look well we're thinking of trying to get more people because we've got so much work so no guarantees but if you might be interested in going independent there might be some opportunities they were doing a they were just talking to some of their people they were close to and then a friend of mine <clears throat> had just won some work with a law firm that I now do loads of work for and he said oh, I again I got this contract quite a lot of work so if you were thinking, um, I, you know, I, no guarantees again. And so it just like just the number of things all yeah. came together. And it felt yeah. like, OK, this is just and it, it still took me six months to leave. But there was a definite there was definite sort of, of direction of travel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that wasn't it wasn't down to. To me, Steve Knight. Me. Yeah, like big, big, big <laughs> massive plan that you had that you're executing. No, not, not, not at all. And I had some. Yeah. I remember years and years ago, someone was on a program, and she was saying, "Yeah, I, you know, I need." To, we were just doing some coaching on the edge of it, and it was like, "Yeah, I need to have a career plan and blah blah blah." And she was only in her, I don't know what she must have been, twenty four, twenty five, or something, a couple of years out of university. And she was saying, yeah, I need to have, you know, this career plan and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I said, well, you know, have you have you had that in the past? Well, no, not really. But, you know, I feel I need to now get quite serious. She says, you know, my, and I said, well, what, what makes you think this? She said, well, my sister, my sister's right on it. She knows what she wants to do and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, right, okay. So I said, you know, is she happy? Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I said, yeah. all right, okay. Um, and how's it worked for you so far, the strategy you've had? She goes, well, actually, it's worked pretty well. You know, I uh, followed my instinct after A-levels, did this degree, and then got placement here, and then got on the, the graduate scheme, which is what she was sort of just had just come off when I was speaking to her. Um, I said, no, so actually things have worked out really well. I said, oh, but your sister who's got a plan, she's not, no, no, she's, you know, whatever, whatever. And she goes, yeah. I said, so you do you think you want a plan then? She goes, no. She said, why would I want a plan? 
And it's sort of again that might be blowing blowing some people's minds listening well, <laughs> listening to this. That you could really, I think, more and more people see that that is less possible maybe than it ever looked because COVID has probably shown us that the future is just incredibly unclear. You know what what is new? What is the new normal going to be? So interestingly, you know that was probably I don't know. 20 years ago or something that conversation but i i have that less and less with people now because i think people just intuitively know that um you, you know that long-term plan is probably less you know less relevant today than it than it probably was perhaps than what yeah. we thought it was in the in the past yeah. Well, I, um, the uh, John well, a John Lennon quote comes to mind, isn't it? You know, life is what happens to you while you're planning something else. Well, I, I think he stole it. I think he stole it from somebody else, but actually, he sort of brought it to that note. No, well, he said that by some of his songs. You know, he, 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 I think he was one of the artists that would say, "Look, one of some of the great songs." Obviously, him and Paul McCartney. Right? He said, "You know, they they weren't they came through us. They weren't." Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. You know, I think a lot. Yeah. Of, lot of people would say that a performance came you know came through me it wasn't didn't feel like it was me independent me doing it um mm. there's a really yeah, I think... talk that talks there's a woman that wrote a book um can't what the book was but she was really interesting because she said that's definitely what it was for me she said it's like um mm. and she said sometimes it then puts a pressure on you because you feel like Oh, my next one has to be really good. Um, but you know, she did this talk and was describing that no, it 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 really doesn't come from you. It sort of comes from your connection to to life, connection to to that source, and then you don't know what's going to come through. Unfortunately, yeah. But the one thing you could guarantee it won't happen again is if you try and force it. Yeah. Um, I, I am I'm a big big Beatles fan, and uh, I reached, recently watched that amazing series on Disney, Disney Plus, the Get Get Back, which I know is an awful long commitment because it's about six seven hours, I mean oh, wow. a bit longer than that long. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's amazing on so many so many levels, but um, but but it is just too, very often there is the sense of flow and creation and one of one of the many wonderful things about about that um documentary series is that you see great art being created and you see the first time something that now is just embedded into you know like if, if, certain cultures you know songs and it's you know it's the it's the great song book some of some of the Beatles back catalog and you go that was the first time they played that chord or loop or whatever it might be that we've ever heard of and and I think there is a lot about that there is flow yes it might be in discipline and in repetition and creating an environment for it but but flow was certainly happy hap mm. um coming through that yeah. you also see it in that wonderful wonderful again film um, um, by Asif Kapadia, the way he did Amy, he created Senna in the first instance, then did Amy, and then done Diego Maradona, where where he's got yeah. a very very interesting sort of style about his filmmaking. It's fascinating, where he takes you know real original footage and uses interviews, but actually it's always it's always just voiceover of interviews rather than the person talking, and actually uses that that over the top of. Um, the the original footage and the, the Amy film particularly there are, there's a period where she's making the Back to Black album and you see Back to Black being created and she's writing it and singing it and recording it you know, in a very quick space of of time and and even she's sort of like almost 
commenting on what she's doing of her. Where did that just what blimey what is that where has it come from either yeah. the words that she's written or actually that expression of of the emotion and actually that that you know th- those songs are so incredibly personal and so incredibly raw but but actually it just is music and art in 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 absolute creation and and, and it has to be in in flow and in in of the moment yeah 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 that's right <clears throat> yeah Anything else we haven't covered, Steve, that we're planning to talk about? No, I guess, you know, I suppose it then, uh, and it still begs the question, well, what what, what are the implications of that? Yeah, 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 good. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, if I'm honest, that, that it, I'm still, I still have a, an openness and a curiosity to that actually um and i really like you know george pransky i know we've referenced a few times but um you know i really years and years ago we went to the three principles conference as a conference that talks about the three principles and and my wife came along because she's not particularly sort of involved in this sort of uh, understanding or sort of community but she sort of gets it at an everyday level actually I think you know I can really see how her experience of everyday life has significantly shifted over the years that I've known her but one of the things that really most impressed her with George she went along to a sort of um, an introductory session and there was someone she said who was sort of questioning George quite hard about various things and she said the most impressive thing was that he was really okay to say Look, I'm I that's above my pay grade. And she said she was so impressed with the one, the way that he related this person who was being quite challenging and a little bit difficult. And she said just the the, the calmness he had in the way that he was relating to this person. But then also just that willingness to say, look, that's just above my pay grade. And so I think sometimes in life, particularly when I just go back, I think I think. I think there's something missing in that story. What what was it that was above the pay grade? Well, he was just this person was asking questions that that George was trying to answer, and then he was pushing and pushing and pushing to a point where he was wanting about well, life and about yeah, why. Life, well, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're big big questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, yeah, that, that yes. That, it was yeah. just like that is the mystery. I think. One of the things with the three principles and this understanding is, and Sid was very clear on this because he was saying he clearly had a very powerful, enlightening experience. But he said it's not a big thing. He said, I can't understand people get really caught up in this whole thing about enlightenment because his view was there's always more to see, that there's no end to consciousness, there's no end to the understanding that we can have and I think that's why people like the Sydney Bankses and the Eckhart Tolleys and Byron Katie's these people that clearly had some shift quite a major shift in consciousness and understanding sort of live life more fully they fully engage with life because it's not a destination and I think sometimes we get caught in you know a bit like control but well if, if I just control this and I get to this point, or if I get this job, or if I get this much money, or if I get this much security, yeah. whatever, we feel like then, then I'll be okay, then I'll be okay. And I think part of what we're talking about, when you connect to this everyday being, you're also connecting to the mystery of life. There is something about, there's a mystery here that we will probably never fully understand because it's above our pay grade to use George's. Yeah. Because if there's something that's vast that we're a part of, then something fairly small in terms of us can't possibly grasp something that's the universe and everything. We get glimpses of it and we get a connection to it and we can feel that connection like I certainly can in my own experience. But then there's part of it which is well 
see what then occurs as a result of that. And um, is it a quote about, um, I can't remember who it is, but it's Rupert Spira gives this quote from, I can't remember who it is, but he attributes it. And this, this person said, love and do whatever you want. And he, he, someone was saying to him, you know, what's your advice about life? And he said, look, he said, if I'm honest, I can't go beyond St. Augustine, I think it was, St. Augustine. I can't go beyond this quote, which is love and do whatever you want. And I think there is something in that. If you're connected to your sense of being, that sense of awareness, that presence, then there is something for me from that place is, well, then do what occurs to you to do from that place. And if you're coming from that good feeling, that feeling of love, as um, I think it was St. Augustine was saying, then the chances are what's going to occur to you to do, do whatever you want, is probably something that is a representation of that love and understanding. And do that. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I do all my, like you said, you know, I'll be doing all my inquiries and stuff. But then I sometimes I just have to remember, look, you know, don't overdo that. I think I'm much better now at doing it with a curiosity mm-hmm. without thinking there's something I need, there's something I need here, there's something missing. It's like, no, just accept what you do know you know Sydney Banks would often say don't go beyond what you know just don't go beyond what you know just trust that what you know is what you know and operate go go from there and 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 trust that there's there's more for you to see and if you don't hold on to that and I guess what we're saying is if you don't hold on to your knowledge if you don't hold on to what you know but you're more in that knowing presence that you're more um you're more connected to that awareness and that presence then there's more for you to see and understand because in a way you can't separate the thinker from the from the thought there isn't a thought without the thinker so it's it's saying those two are inextricably linked what we're saying is yeah, you have your thinking, but don't lose sight of the thinker because the thinker is where the awareness is and where the being is in the presence. And then you can see what occurs to you to do. So that would be my implication. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely freaking love it. Uh, and it's a lovely place to end for, for today. So um, look, the episode has been uh, inspired by control whatever that that might mean to, to you uh as ever we'd be fascinated to hear what uh, has come to mind or what questions you might well have so always get in touch hello at everydaybeing.co.uk or everyday.being on instagram we would always love to to hear from you um yeah feel free to come back and challenge us on we're not in control you know our points today have been we're not in control of our thinking and we're not in control of the outside two pretty big points big point number two is well who the heck is in control then what is this energy yeah where is it coming from what's driving it and probably that encouragement we had in the middle of the episode is okay well what does that mean for you what what do that bit of sort of self-inquiry and then i guess that sort of latter part that we've talked about is we can live in a sense of freedom and in flow and greatness can come if actually we live in that comfort and in that sense of being that we, we we're not in we're not in control that lies freedom and lies flow um and doesn't you know, doesn't have a sense of fear or control or you know whatever whatever freakish behavior that we 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 need so in that lovely way it is love and do do whatever you you want steve anything more from you yeah. no that's a good one to finish on all right yeah. let's do that love and do whatever you want take care everyone <laughs> cheers everyone bye